Well, indeed, it is good to be together this morning. Let's turn in our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. And I uh, just want to share a couple quick thoughts before we jump into God's Word. First of all, I want to announce, you probably have already heard, but Micah and Abigail had a little baby on Friday. So a uh, little Simeon was born, and uh, mom and baby are doing well. So guys, if you happen to be watching, congratulations. We are so happy for you. I also want to just, I want to add an encouragement about the announcement about counseling. Um, counseling is something that is such a gift, good counseling. When we are in a place where we're kind of stuck in our own mud and we can't see our way out. I know that over the years, uh, Janice and I have benefited because we've been in this place where we, we are kind of hitting the same things and can't see our way out and bringing a, a wise biblical perspective from the outside is so helpful so let there be no sense of oh, you know like Ken said you know it's got to be a major crisis before I reach out if there is something in your life that just is kind of like you you know that you're struggling with it maybe in your relationship with your wife maybe your kids maybe co whatever it is and you just feel like I'd like to get some biblical counsel fresh eyes on this i want to encourage you to write counseling at gracecorning.org and just let you know just say hey could i talk to somebody about it and it's going to probably be ken um you know over the years i've had the the real privilege and opportunity to see ken in a lot of different environments a lot of different contexts and and to appreciate the the richness of the wisdom that god has given ken the ability to apply Bible, Scripture, in a way that's not just head but heart and is wise and is careful. Uh, I've seen him apply grace. So here's what I want to say. You know, um, Ken's a safe person. You're, you're going to get biblical wisdom. You're going to get grace. You're going to get someone who cares about you. You're not going to get judgment. You're not going to get a scolding. You're going to get biblical wisdom. So <clears throat> I just want to uh, encourage you, people online as well, go ahead, take that step. I'm so grateful that we did. It's hard sometimes breaking that ice, but, man, it is so good. So counseling at gracecorning.org. And it's also free. It's free. So that's not easy to find. And the instant joke is you get what you pay for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you get more than you pay for here. I have seen some counseling sessions where you get much less than you pay for, so it's going to be excellent. All right, Hebrews chapter 10, Bracing for Impact is the series we're in. Uh, I've shared it before, but the word impact is not found in the Bible, but the concept of impact is really from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation. Um, Merriam-Webster defines impact as the act or force of one thing hitting another, or another meaning is a powerful or major influence or effect. When it comes to scripture, when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to our relationships, both apply. We are banging and hitting and bouncing off of each other, off of God's word, and it has a major powerful influence upon our lives. So over the course of the weeks, we've looked at the impact of the gospel, the Holy Spirit, the impact of prayer. 
last couple of weeks, the impact of the kingdom of God. This morning, I want us to consider the impact of community. The impact of community, the impact of church, of the church in our lives. All right, so Hebrews chapter 10, before we read, I want to just give us some context from chapter, I wish we had the time to read chapter 9 and the first half of chapter 10, but here's the context. Chapter 9 and first half of chapter 10 speak of Jesus Christ as both our high priest and our sin offering. He is both our high priest and our sin offering. You see, in the Old Testament, the priests would offer sacrifices, lambs and goats and rams, and they would offer that all the time. There was blood constantly being offered on behalf of the people. But that was done in the outer holy place. Once a year, the high priest would enter the holy of holies with blood, which he would then sprinkle upon the mercy seat as a sin offering for himself and the people of Israel. The high priest in the Old Testament had to enter that holy of holies every year. But Jesus, our high priest, entered the holy of holies, not one made by human hands, but the one in heaven, He entered it once and for all as our high priest. But amazingly, he also provided the blood as our sin offering and once for all cleansed us of our sin. He doesn't have to do that. He will not do that more than once. And now the people of God are able to enter the Holy of Holies. If you remember when Jesus died on the cross, the the heavy curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the outer place of the temple, it tore in half as a symbol that now the barrier between us and God has been torn apart and we are able to come into the presence of God and draw near to him by the precious blood that our high priest, our great high priest, Jesus Christ, offered. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? That is excellent. That is so good. Such good news. That's the context. Now, I want us to pick up in chapter 10, verse 19. The writer of Hebrews says, therefore, brothers, and others, because all that I just shared is true, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the, draw, the day drawing near. 
I want us to recognize from the outset, this passage is written to the community of God as a community. In the Old Testament, as the high priest was entering the Holy of Holies, the people of God would gather together outside as he did this. They gathered as a community. It was a community event. And the writer of Hebrews is writing to the people of God as a community. It's all community. There's not a single I or you or me in this passage. It's all us and we and our. It's community. And something that we learn not only from this passage but from the entire Bible is that God relates to us as a people as a community. That's a little bit foreign to us because in the United States, and you know, this is just the air we breathe, but we live in a very individualistic culture. We think that way. And I'm not saying uh, that's bad. There's some good qualities to it. But if you were to go to the Middle East or many other countries, you would find a very different mindset. It would just be woven into how they think. And it would be more community-minded. We think of individualism. And individually. And my rights. And all that kind of stuff. We're kind of into that mindset. Um, But God relates to us as a people. The church. The kingdom. Picking up that motif from the last two weeks, Graham Goldworthy says this, he defines the kingdom of God as God's people in God's place under God's rule. God's people in God's place under God's rule. God's purposes from the very beginning was to redeem for himself a people unto himself. In the New Testament, this is the church. God's people in God's place under God's rule. Discipleship is not an individualistic pursuit. I think sometimes we think it is. It's I am a disciple and I need to grow as a disciple. And we think of it too much perhaps as an individualistic pursuit. But discipleship is not an individualistic pursuit. It's a community pursuit. Pursuit. In fact, discipleship is a team sport. It's a team sport. With the Super Bowl coming up next Sunday, I figured a Super Bowl illustration would be more than appropriate. One of my favorite all-time football quotes came after the New England Patriots lost to the New York Giants. Yeah. In the Super Bowl, second time they lost to the Giants, in 2011 it was a great game but after the game frustrated by the many drops from the receivers on the Patriots team Tom Brady's wife Giselle Bunchkin being heckled by a Giants fan said that my husband can't throw the ball and catch the ball at the same time She got her into a little bit of trouble. He can't catch the ball and throw the ball 
at the same time or throw the ball and catch the ball at the same time. And that's not a slam on Brady's athleticism at all. That's the nature of the game. That is the nature of the game. No matter how good an athlete is, he cannot play a football game by himself. He can't be the whole football team. You can't play the game. It would be boring to watch one person out there try to do it all. Cover, catch, throw, block, kick, all at the same time. No single player can play all the positions. It takes a team to move the ball forward. The same is true with gospel impact. It is a community event. It is a team sport. It takes a community of faith to move the Great Commission forward. Jesus calls us in the church. His calling is for us to love one another. That's his, he said, I leave you with this command, to love one another. That's how the world is going to know you're my disciples, that you love one another. He calls us to forgive one another, forbear with one another, be patient with one another, exhort, encourage, comfort, serve one another. And we can't do that alone. We can't do that alone. It's not possible for you to throw love and then run and catch the love that you just threw. It's not possible for you to wind up and and lob a Hail Mary of forgiveness and then come on the other side and catch it. Jesus calls us to serve. But if, if I'm throwing the serve and I'm catching the serve, you know what that is? That's self serving. That's not what Jesus had in mind. We can't throw and catch what Jesus commands us to do to others in the church. We need each other. We need community. No Christian is so strong, so mature, so powerful in the spirit that they don't need the church to have an impact for the kingdom. No Christian. Not by themselves. You say, why are you saying that? Because even Jesus built a team around him. Even Jesus said, you're going to do greater things than I do. Even Jesus took the 12 and then the 120 and then the other disciples and sent them out. Even Jesus said, I'm not doing this alone. I cannot do this alone. Paul wasn't alone. He had a team. Billy Graham wasn't alone. He had a faithful team that served the gospel with him for decades. So if I think I can do it alone, I am seriously deceived. We cannot do it alone. We need each other. Now, we might tend to romanticize the first and early church and think, yeah, well, that was, that was an awesome church. I mean, they were loving, they were serving, and they were. But let's not let, let's not put those filters on our eyes where we just think it was this beautiful, loving place. And 
you know, now the church is so much less than that. They had some serious problems then. They had serious struggles. Just read Paul's epistles and you're going to see that they had tremendous struggles as the church. There were a lot of problems back then. There are problems in the church today. There is no perfect church, but that's the point. That's the point. Jesus didn't die for perfect people. He died for an imperfect people to make a way for us back to God and ultimately to be perfected. Can't wait for that day. But that's, and I thank God, don't you thank God? That's who he came for. So that's the church. Welcome to the church. Welcome to the community of God. You say, yeah, but I bounce against that guy and I bang against that person. That person's unlovable. That church was mean to me. That, you know, yeah, welcome. That's what we have. And that's where God works. So that we bang and bump and bounce against each other to influence each other by loving each other, forgiving each other, bearing with each other, being patient with each other, serving, listening, caring, all in order to help each other grow in Jesus in order for us to be helped. Helping, throw the ball, be helped, catch the ball. Sometimes we need to throw the ball of love. Sometimes we need to catch the ball of someone loving us. We can't do both at the same time to ourselves. Discipleship is a team sport. So I want us to consider the three let us, let us encouragement. That sounds like a green that you eat. But uh, let us encouragements, three of them. Let us do this in the passage. First of all, the writer of Hebrews says, let us draw near to Jesus in full assurance of faith. Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, of course, that verse applies beautifully and powerfully to us individually as we can come into the presence, we can draw near to God with full assurance of faith, knowing we have been cleansed and washed clean. And we can do that confidently because of all that Jesus has accomplished for us. But the context draws upon the imagery of the community of Israel gathering around the temple as the high priest made that offering. The context is a community context, not an individual context. They didn't stay in their tents and say, you know what, he can do that on his own. Uh, I'm rooting a mom, but I'm going to stay in my tent. Uh, no, they all gathered together. They drew near, as he encourages them, together. And over and over we see that dynamic. In Acts we see the dynamic of the power of the Holy Spirit as the disciples met together, as they prayed together, fellowship together, broke bread together, lived together, did life together, fellowship together, Bible studied together, there was this power, that dynamic power as they did this together. Jesus says, where two of you agree upon anything 
in prayer, it will be done for you. Jesus said, where two or more of you are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of you. Now, does that mean if you pray alone or you're gathered in Jesus' name alone that God doesn't hear your prayers and Jesus isn't there? No, absolutely not. What Jesus is saying is there is a multiplication of the power of prayer when two believers join their hearts in agreement for that. There is a multiplication of power of the presence of the Lord when two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. There is a multiplication as they gather together. Let us draw near. Let us. See, it's all community. It's not, hey, you do this. And that's how we often read it. Okay, I'll do that. No, we do it. Let us together draw near with a true heart in full assurance. The second let us is found in verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast to our confession of hope, for Christ is faithful. Our hope, our hope is built on God's promises. Specifically and powerfully, those promises God gave us through Jesus Christ. And God will be faithful to fulfill every one of his promises. Our hope, therefore, is certain. We can hold fast to it. But again, I want to point out that some of us anyway might tend to read this as an individual encouragement to hold fast. But it's really a community encouragement. Read it carefully. He doesn't say hold fast to your hope. He says, hold fast, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. The word confession tells us he isn't talking about a private hope that we keep privately in our hearts and hold fast to. The word confession, it means he's talking about a public confession of the hope that's in our hearts we need others to be part of that a confession by yourself is not all that confessionally powerful a confession is something done publicly not only do we need each other publicly or need each other to publicly confess our hope sometimes we need each other to help us hold fast to our hope without wavering. Because sometimes we waver. Sometimes our hope wavers. I was talking to someone this week who was struggling with her sense of hope in Christ. And let me say, it wasn't that she doesn't believe in Jesus. It wasn't that she was tempted to deny Jesus as Savior. No, her her struggle was believing that the father accepted her, that she hadn't blown it. And that the great promises, the great confession of hope 
didn't apply to her. See, the, the, the struggle in her heart wasn't the truth of the scriptures. It was where did that hope intersect with her life? Did she have that hope personally? Did God accept her? Sometimes we can believe all the gospel promises for other people, but we struggle believing them for ourselves. And that's when someone else, and it was my joy to try to just really pour out encouragement from scripture and from the heart of God that the father accepts her, loves her, has received her, has adopted her through Jesus Christ. But sometimes we, we, we struggle because we see our own sins so up close and personal. And other people, we just see the surface issues, but we see our own sin, our own heart, our own struggles, and sometimes we are tempted to waver, amen? Sometimes we are tempted to waver in our hope and someone else can come along and strengthen that confession of hope. Help us hold fast. By the way, Jesus has held you, he's holding you fast. But that's part of our hope. And that's part of what I, I encouraged her with. Hey, it's not your grip that matters here. It's Jesus' grip and he's got you. But we need to encourage each other. I need your encouragement. You need my encouragement. We need each other's encouragement sometimes. Let us hold fast to our confession of hope. The third let us is actually kind of three in one, but two of them are implied. It's in verse 24. It starts in verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. We can't do that alone. There's no way to do that alone. That's a football game. You can't throw the ball and catch that ball. That's a team sport. You see, here's what... Again, if we read it quickly, and I know I've been guilty of doing this, we read it quickly, we think this scripture is telling us to love and do good works. It's not. It's not telling you to love and do good works. Now, you should love and do good works, but this is not telling you to love and do good works. This is telling us to help each other love and do good works. That's the impact of community. We are to consider, we are to give thought. How can we stir up each other? How can we influence, that's impact, influence each other to love and good works? Let me pause and just say that this is a place where we have to saturate this verse in grace or good works can become a legalistic attempt to earn God's acceptance. We are to stir one another up in the love and good works that comes from grace, that comes from knowing that we are loved and accepted by the Lord, not not stirring each other to love and good works in order to be loved by the Lord. And one of the ways 
I think powerful ways we do that is by modeling it. By modeling it. It stirs one another up. It's not the only way. But modeling it helps others to be inspired and get an idea of what it looks like. And by the way, as I was thinking about that, there are people in this church who inspire me, who motivate me. I am so thankful for the way that people serve, love, care. The way that it's expressed in different ways. And sometimes without anybody seeing it, or very few people seeing it. But I am so thankful for that. And you've helped me to grow because you're better at this than I am. And I am thankful for that. You reach out to people with care. You make phone calls, you, you call. I heard about a case, somebody recently had a, a financial need and somebody else said, we've got that. For an important, important need, we've got that. Now, other than those people involved in that, nobody knows, I happen to hear about it. But that's an inspiring thing. When there's service opportunities and there's a need, you show up, you're there to help. So many different ways, ministering. Uh, it is such an encouragement and I thank you. It inspires others. It creates a momentum in those different areas to help us, to help us to grow. Consider how. How can I speak a word that helps inspire someone to use what God has given them to love and do good works in the name of Jesus? How can we help inspire each other, motivate each other? The, the word actually means provoke, but some people can provoke in not the greatest way. How do we provoke one another to love and to good works? Let's give thought to that. Let's grow in that. Let's pursue that. Let's stir one another up in that. That's what he's saying. Team sport. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Now, I don't know the total context. I tried to do a little study. I'm not, I'm not seeing exactly, but basically there were some in the churches that the book of Hebrews was written to who seemed to be checking out. They, as the habit of some, they were just checking out. It was becoming a habit for them to neglect meeting together. That was becoming a habit. And God, through his word, encourages us not to do that. Now, I want to say something. Hebrews was not written with COVID in mind. Okay? It was not written with COVID in mind. This book's a little older than two years. Over the past two years, we, as many churches have, have encouraged people to take the precautions they feel they need to take for their own health and safety. <clears throat> and including, for some, that's become joining us online and 
we want that we want you to do what you know is best for you to do and it's not going to look the same for everybody so this is not this is not that <clears throat> many people are connecting even though they may not be here on a given Sunday morning and are there's no they're not neglecting but for safety and purposes and we again grace do what you know is best for you that's what we ask you to do so this is not like a side conversation to those with COVID or struggling with COVID or concerned for safety concerns. But here's what we, and when I say we, I mean more than Grace Community Church. Here's what the church, especially I think in this country, are going to need to grapple with. Hopefully we're going to be turning the corner on this COVID thing soon. Can I get an amen out of that? <clears throat> Hopefully we're going to be turning the corner on this thing and things can get back to normal in the months to come. Here's a reality that many churches and many Christians all around the country, maybe all around the world, are going to be facing. These past two years have made it harder to connect and easier to disconnect from the church. It's just, it's just, it's just a part of the reality of what we've walked through. And I think for some, it's going to be a time when it would be easy for someone to think, do I really need to be a part of a local church? Do I really need that to love the Lord and, for, and serve him? And I would say that God in his word here says unequivocally, yes, we need that. It doesn't have to be this church. It has to be some local church. We need that because you cannot throw the ball and catch the ball yourself we can't we need community <clears throat> and that's more than just Sunday mornings that's not limited to Sunday mornings community groups and Bible studies and just getting together with brothers and sisters to fellowship and praying in different contexts and friendship and, and whatever. Walk in the park with somebody. This isn't like, okay, this is talking about Sunday morning from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock. No, this is talking about community, loving each other as God's people. It includes Super Bowl parties. Amen? I know some are not that into Super Bowl. It includes great food too and fellowship. Although keep the fellowship down a little bit when the game is playing. So I don't know how biblical that is, but all of this. And yes, it does include Sunday mornings, but it's, it's community. It's being God's people together, praying and, and serving and talking about Jesus and life and sharing and, and counseling and all these things, all of these things to impact one another towards what he says in the verse, love and good works. And then he ends with this. So let us consider how to stir one another up in love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near. 
That's the train of thought in this passage. All the more, do it all the more as you see the day drawing near. He's talking about the day of the Lord, which is not a 24-hour day. It is a climax of history that is moving into the return of Jesus, but has this preface to that that the scriptures speak quite a bit about. And I'm thinking we're going to do a series on the last days pretty soon. But listen, I think we may be approaching that day maybe faster than we even have any idea. But I know this for sure. We're closer to that day. That day is drawn nearer to, to us than it did to the writer of Hebrews. We are closer to that day by 2,000 years than the writer of Hebrews was. So no predictions, but we are definitely closer to the day of the Lord. And so he says, all the more, encourage each other all the more as you see that day approaching. And I think the reason, I know the reason for that is we are going to need to encourage one another all the more in our faith because the Bible says very clearly that time leading up to the return of the Lord is going to be a terrible, terrible time. Second Timothy Chapter 3, verse 1, he says, it will be a terrible time. It will be a spiritually perilous time. There will be deceptive spirits that are so convincing that Jesus said, if possible, even the very elect would be deceived. In other words, there is going to be a deception around the world that is so good, so convincing, so draws your heart that Jesus said, man, if, if it were even possible, even the elect would be following it, would buy into it. We're talking serious biblical, uh, serious spiritual deception. People, he says, will not have ears to hear sound doctrine. They're not gonna wanna hear the Bible. They're gonna wanna hear what they wanna hear. They have itching ears, scratch my ears. And they're going to collect teachers who scratch their ears. And they're going to say, that feels good. But they will have no time, no heart, no desire for sound doctrine. Healthy biblical teaching, none of it. And for that reason, Paul, the writer of Hebrews writes, it says, encourage each other in your faith to hold fast to that faith, to love and do good works, all the more as you see that day approaching because that day is going to be a hard time and it's going to blow people out of the water if they are not holding fast and encouraging each other. It's going to be a perilous time. Maybe we've entered them. Maybe we haven't. But they are drawing near and the nearer they draw, he writes, all the more, encourage each other. All the more, not less, more. In Christ. Let me close with this brief thought. The impact of a community is accumulative. It's accumulative. It's not what you do. It's not what I do. It's not what the person next to you does. It's what we do together. It's the accumulative effect of all of that. Some of it's seen and visible and, 
And some of it unseen and invisible. Sometimes I think that's the more powerful. Don't ever shortchange your input and impact and effect. What he's writing is stay on the field. Stay on the field. Not just because you need the church, because the church needs you. Not just because you need to throw love, but sometimes you're going to need to catch love. Sometimes you're going to need to be served. Sometimes you need to serve. Let us. And when we add all those things up together, the gospel gets moved forward. The kingdom advances through us. That's the impact of community. Let's pray together. Lord, I am so thankful for this community, this church family. I really am. Uh, speaking to someone, and I just, I just heard such a sense of um, just some things in their life, it's church life, that just concern me, but it also made me think, boy, I'm so thankful that is just not something happening here. I'm so thankful for that. I thank you, Lord, for the hearts that are here, the people who serve behind the scenes, the people who care, the people who give, the people who love, the people who call, the people who share meals, the people who do things, Lord, and just serve in ministry, Lord, different ways, heroically, and also share Jesus in quiet ways in their own personal life and have an effect on people's lives around them. Thank you for all of that. Lord, thank you for that. Lord, I pray that as we leave here, we leave here, and those watching online will have a strengthened sense of our need for community and growing as a community and encouraging one another as a community. The Lord, in the end, Jesus Christ, the word of God, and eternal souls. That's your priority. Let it be ours as well. And help us to do that to the glory of God together. What a privilege we get to do it together. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Oh, guys, have a great week. And God bless you. And we will see you uh, next Sunday. And don't forget community group right after church. If you're able to make that, I encourage you to do that. Bless you.